0: If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Welcome back to Horse Chats, and today we've got a new guest. Gillian Cranebring. Gillian's a specialist in functional anatomy. But before we get started, I'd just like to remind you that today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. Their vision is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people. Have a look now, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now, our guest today, Gillian, I'd like to talk, you know, as I said about functional anatomy. I'm sure she's going to bring a lot of information to us about that. Now, welcome, Gillian. How are you?
1: I'm doing lovely. It's nice and warm in Texas already.
0: <laughs> yes, it's nice and warm here in Queensland, and I think we're in winter, but you know, it's uh that's just the way we <laughs> the way we are. We don't have very many cold days, It's just nice um winter's days. Gillian I want to get started because this area of functional anatomy—it's a really specialised area and very essential area within the horse industry. So we're going to talk about that. But before we even get started, you know, and I like to do this just so we can get to know you a little bit better and um, have a bit more understanding of the way you're thinking. But your favourite quote—I'm sure you've got a favourite quote—and you can tell us a little bit about how you got that favorite quote and how it's influenced you with horses in your particular area within the horse niche.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think one of my favorite quotes is, when we know better, we do better. And actually, my study on functional anatomy um, has brought me to appreciate those words even more. And it's mostly because, you know, growing up, in the horse world. I I was raised in a horse family and most of our training techniques when I was a little girl all the way through high school and into college, most of our training techniques were really based on more of a dominance and, and subjugating horses and essentially training them through learned helplessness. And then I had a few occurrences in my life that were pretty transformational. And that led me to the study of functional anatomy. When I started to study functional anatomy, I realized that so many of the things that I was asking my horses to do or in the ways I was asking them to perform were simply just not fair because I was working against who they are as a species, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And so as my path turned and I changed my paradigms, The way I I made it easy for myself to forgive myself for the mistakes that I made in the past was when we know better, we do better. And that has really been my motto ever since um, I made this transition in my approach to horsemanship. And that's probably going to be true for the rest of my life, which takes me to another favorite quote. And that is what I teach today is truth for the moment meaning I might learn something new today that will change forever what I teach tomorrow. So that's uh, that's why that quote is very special to me.
0: You know, I think what I get from this, Gillian, is that you're really an educator. It's not, you're not just thinking about yourself there. You know, when we know better, we do better, but you're thinking about the horses and people that you teach. So as you teach other people a little bit more about horses, The horses can benefit, but they will do better because they know better because you've taught them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You said, um, you know, that there was one or two things that sort of pushed you in that direction. Anything that um, you care to share with us that you can tell us what pushed you in that direction, what pivotal moment there was that you said, right, you know, it was a pivotal moment rather than, over a period of time, tell us a little bit more about that area.
1: Yes, uh, I was, um, you know, the uh, ripe old age of twenty-two, mm-hmm. freshly out of college, and I was offered a training position in Germany. <laughs> and uh, so I I went to Germany and trained for a couple years, and you know I was really quite full of myself because. You know, when you, you compete and you win a little something here and there. And I just really thought I I knew a whole bunch when I really didn't know anything. But I did have an awareness when I was in Germany that I wasn't enjoying my time with horses like I had when I was younger, because I think I just instinctively knew that what I was asking wasn't really about the horse. It was more about what the horse could do for me as a person. So I came back to the United States to go to the university. I already knew that I wanted to study something about horses, but I, I didn't. Um, I didn't know exactly what that was. And in the United States, if you're not from a particular state, you have to pay an out-of-state tuition to go to the university, which is more expensive. But if you live in that state for a year, you can establish residency so that you can then pay in-state tuition fees. So I moved to a state that I wasn't originally from, and I had to establish residency for a year. And I thought, oh, well, I'll make a living by training horses because, you know, I'm so great at this. And, you know, I've been, you know, a trainer across the pond, and I'm just all that. And uh <laughs> when I look back at that, I just have to laugh at myself. But um so I took a couple horses in training and I had a client that wanted to do a sales video of one of the horses and uh, she was there videoing and and I was riding and um I, <laughs> quite honestly I was probably just more captivated by being concerned how I looked on the video. And I dropped one of my reins, and um, the issue was that I was in an open field, and not that far ahead of me was an old barbed wire fence that had been all grown up in weeds and tall grass, and I knew that I had to make a quick decision. I I could either grab for the rein, or I could try to stay on, and if the horse came to a halt, he probably would have done a 360 and tear off across the field, and I wouldn't have had much control. So I opted to do an emergency dismount. And when I did so, when I landed, it was on uh, old farmland that had been farmed for many years. So there were a lot of furrows in the land. So when I landed, it wasn't on on a flat surface and I heard a snap and I broke my leg. And then I flipped and I flipped and I flipped and I heard another and I broke my back. So I think I was 24 at, at the time I was laying in this field waiting for the ambulance to come. And I don't know if it was the, the universe, God, something more just downloaded into me. And it, it was such a pivotal moment because when I was waiting to be helped, I realized that I actually really didn't know anything about horses, And that everything, you know, really that was driving me at that point in my life, other than when I was a small child, when my horses were just my best friends, was simply just my ego. I was really driven just by my ego. And it really wasn't for the horse or about the horse. And so that was just an incredibly pivotal moment. And it helped shape my direction at the university. And it was really then that I started to intimately learn about horses as a species and beyond that as sentient beings and that continues to be my path now 20 years later is uh i'm still on that journey and and will be as they say in texas until they pull my boots off
0: Mm, (laughs) mm. (laughs) good saying but yeah yeah jillian you know i noticed it myself some people as you say are looking for their own ego, and I know I've been there, done that. You know, you're out there, you're competing, you're worried about the results more so than than the horse. Um, but then you do, and then you get the connection with the horse, you know, and you just really start to understand things from the horse's point of view. Do you think, like, you know, if you're thinking about someone who's working with you, working within the horse industry, is it a particular type of person that? understands that earlier, you know, because some people, I'm sure, go through life, go through working with horses and and never get it and it's all about I'm going to make you do this and do that and do that. And it's all by brute force. But by the time you take a step back and realise that the horse is a sentient being, the horse wants to connect with us more than we want to connect with them, what, what is it? They're trying to figure out what it is that we want without us confusing them. Do you think it's a certain type of person that can do that within their own character traits or is it just a lesson that has to be learned? You know, tell us a little bit about this type of person that you think because I'm thinking about people working in the horse industry. At International Horse College we do a lot of career courses and we get a lot of people coming into the horse industry They may already be working in the horse industry and need a higher level qualification for their job or for their You know, their next step in their career, but we also get people that are just starting in the horse industry or at high school and would like to start. What sort of person do you think they need to be, regardless of knowledge? Because knowledge can always be learned, but the person themselves, what sort of person do you think they need to be?
1: That is a a fantastic um, question. And funny, I had a similar conversation with a stranger today. And And he had spoke to me about people that he has observed to be very successful in the horse industry. And he said it's a blend of masculine energy and a blend of feminine energy. Masculine energy is the ability to focus and to be clear, but to focus and to be clear with a tremendous amount of compassion and empathy. I have a lot of clients who have a tremendous amount of compassion and empathy, but sacrifice clarity and boundaries with the horses. And so there's a disconnect, disconnect, connect there. Right. And then I have some people, they expect their horses just to be shells, you know, no opinion, no, no expression. Just do as I say when I say it, and that's it, and it doesn't matter how we get it done. And so I think this gentleman was right. There really has to be a really delicate balance between compassion, empathy, clarity, and boundaries. And that goes not just with the horses, but it goes also with your students and also the relationship with yourself. So it's really a triage. It's the horse, it's the student, it's you as an instructor. Or as an instructor, you become the student, and you still have to find that type of boundary and clarity, but compassion and empathy for ourselves, because we're going to make mistakes as instructors, and we're going to make mistakes as students, and the horse is the same. So I think it really does, for, for a person to become great, to really truly become great as a horse person, it has to be a blend of those characteristics. You can't forfeit one for the other.
0: Stop, I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. I love the way that you've explained that balance between the two energies. And I do understand, we we come into the horse world, we don't know everything. The people that we're teaching don't know everything. Mistakes are going to be made. You know, we can say that the horses are making the mistakes, for them. but the, oh, the horses sometimes they'll try, but it'll be the wrong way and, you know, they've just got to be rewarded for the try and, and going in the right direction. And sometimes our timing's a bit off and sometimes we don't have the knowledge or the experience to get the mistakes, at, you know, as they happen. But I suppose the more knowledge and experience that we get, that balance gets refined and it takes a little while to make a good horse person. You know, it's not something that's just going to happen straight away. It takes a while. And I think for someone to become a good horse person, they need to want to become a good horse person many, many years before they become a good horse person and just keep working on that balance and keep refining that balance. Do you agree with that? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I sometimes, you know, I think I'm 45 years old and and maybe I should, you know, be doing more in terms of I should be schooling the high school movements or I should be writing these tempeh changes, you know, this internal self-talk. Like I should have maybe done that 10 years ago or 15 years ago in my 20s. And then when I'm kind to myself, it occurs to me that I may not have been emotionally or mentally mature enough to ride it and to train it with grace, compassion and empathy and boundaries. It probably would have been an angrier version of me training these types of movements. So I do think that hopefully as we, as we age and we mature, um, we become a little wiser. And if we really take it to the next step, I think growth happens with us on an interpersonal level when the lessons that we learn from our horses can be applied to how we live our everyday life. Right. You know, it it goes beyond just the routine or the or the rope memorizations of technique and training methodology. But there there are greater lessons to be learned that can help us just be better human beings.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 When your empathy with the horse and the feeling and, and, you know, you going through your horse journey, your journey with horses, do you think there's been challenges? You know, you, you're fairly sound in your thinking, the way that you're thinking now, but have there been challenges with other people? right? So you say, this is what I think. I think that we need to have a little bit more empathy or or have there been challenges where people have told you you're on the wrong track, that you need to change your ways and go back to the way that you were thinking? Have there been challenges with other people thinking about where you are now with your careers? Because I'm not, I'm interested in whether there's been challenges and I'm sure there are, even though I don't know the particular challenges, but Tell us a little bit about any particular challenges or any sort of scenarios, but how have you overcome that?
1: Right. Uh, Two come to mind. um, In teaching functional anatomy, I'm kind of a, a pacifist in that I don't particularly care to engage an argument with people. And I think people can argue about training technique Um, or methodology till the cows come home. But it's very difficult actually to argue with functional anatomy and biomechanics. And I think what I find challenging is more based in a value system. For example, I may teach my functional anatomy course to people who are interested in the knowledge And they agree with the information and yet they don't change their ways because they're still really motivated by a ribbon. And and it's challenging for me because it goes back to that quote, when you know better, you do better. And what's challenging for me is when you know better and you don't do better, then it comes down to a value system. And I've been so amazingly blessed. I've been teaching my functional anatomy courses now for 13 years. I started teaching them in people's living rooms, you know, four or five people at a time. Um, When you start teaching this type of information, you tend to draw like-minded people. So I've been very blessed in that I feel like I live in a bubble because many of the people who, who want to learn this information are really seeking ways of doing it better. So every once in a while, my partner trims and trims and does, uh, she's an osteopath, does work in other performance barns. And I re- I force myself to go because I need to be reminded that some of those training techniques that I used to apply still happen on a daily basis within the horse industry. So it's painful for me to watch it, but I, I can't hide from it. I need to... To be aware of it, and it's not to make anybody wrong, and it's not to make anybody right. It's just to try to help people learn more about themselves and how to live more peacefully with these amazing animals that give so much. I, I, I it's shocking to me sometimes what these, these animals do for us. You know, it's unbelievable.
0: I certainly agree. Certainly agree. Say you've got a new student or a group of new students, you might be going out to meet a few new students and they're interested in teaching you. What's a common problem or challenge or fault or something that you see that they don't understand that you can explain to them, teach them, and all of a sudden they go, ah, right, yes, now I've got it. Just give us a little bit, because our listeners are thinking, I want to learn something because I'm about to go out and you know, I'm I'm driving out to see my horse and I want to know what I can do to help with the communication between them and their horse or the connection between them and their horse today? What's something that they can look for, work on?
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, this particular point is probably the bane of most equestrians' existence, and that is riding on the inside hand. And um, I'm kind of particular in terms of my student base in that I don't teach individual lessons unless the student has attended my functional anatomy course. And that's not because I want people's money. It's because I want my students to know the platform that I'm operating from. So a big piece that I find really creates a lot of aha moments for writers is that There needs to be an understanding of the horse releasing the mouth and the jaw and that there's a difference between lateral flexion at the pole versus lateral bend in the body. And the German riding instructors used to say frequently, you can have lateral flexion at the pole while the horse's body remains straight but you absolutely can't have lateral bend in the correct lateral bend in the body without also having correct lateral flexion at the pole. So when I am able to explain that to my students from a functional anatomy perspective, then when I speak with them about how to aid the horse and how the rider's inside hand tends to block the action at the pole and blocks horse's inside hind leg when they have that understanding of functional anatomy they suddenly realize how bad of a habit it is to ride on that inside rein and to try to create lateral bends in the body from the inside hand so the inside hand is there to help release the jaw and to help the horse search for a lateral flexion at the pole while it's the rider's body that helps to shape the horse into a correct lateral bend. So that is something I really enjoy teaching my students, and it's it's not taught by drilling riders on a circle. It's taught by riding simple serpentines, you know, which isn't so simple. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's easy, but it's that's another thing. You know, it, it's so many times we we sacrifice what we would consider the basics for these simple things to try to ride something upper level. But because we've ignored those basic simple things, there's a whole bunch of holes in the upper level movements or they're just really performed poorly. So, you know, the simple things done well will get you much further ahead than trying something more advanced and doing it
0: poorly. Yeah, we always talk about... Get your basics established, but we've got to keep going back and getting more basics established, you know. You don't just learn how to walk trot candor yourself. You can go back and keep improving yourself. You don't just learn about how to ride a 20-metre circle because a 20-metre circle that's satisfactory to one judge is satisfactory to a lower level judge who may not be looking at that relationship between the lateral flexion and the inside hind, whereas as the judges get more experience at a higher level, they're not going to say, look, this is just not satisfactory anymore. You've know, you got to go back and you've got to get your basics sorted and I think sometimes people say, but I, I have got my basics sorted. I was winning at this level. I was doing well at this level. You told me to get out of this level and then all of a sudden they're they're up a level and the judges are saying, no, 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 you're not quite ready for this level yet. Okay. So, So going back and really getting a thorough understanding of the basics at many levels. Yeah. Many basics. Yep.
1: Exactly. And, and, and exactly what that is. You know, many of my students, they didn't really understand what it looked like or how you educated the horse to produce a correct lateral flexion. So the horses either bend, between C2 and C3, or they overbend at the base of the neck. And we have to remember that horses essentially have eight joints in the head and the neck that can bend. So it can get crooked in any one of those joints. So um, it's really the spine of the horse that we're shaping. And so, again, if I come back to functional anatomy, which essentially means just looking at the horse's scaffolding, right, which is his bony structure is the simplest way for me to explain it is you look at his structure and then you learn how he should best use his structure for health, vitality and longevity. You know, and so if you if you learn and you understand how the horse uses its body in its natural way. um then we give the horse a better chance to accommodate us in our requests or our aid. That is what an aid is. An aid is to help make it easy for the horse. But if we don't understand how the horse moves or functions, then quite honestly, we're typically off in our timing or in the technique we're applying and then our request becomes unfair and when the horse doesn't oblige then we get heavier handed or we break out the auxiliary equipment or put bigger spurs on you know the list goes on and on so you know i think to be a good communicator one must understand what you're communicating to
0: yep Julian, this has been very um inspiring talking to you today. I'm certainly enjoying it. I'm just wondering, what are you working towards now? You know, you're working towards anything. What do you plan to do? You know, we sort of talk about once the world gets back to normal, but I don't know if it'll ever be normal again. But what are you looking forward to now? What, are you, what does your future hold? Mm.
1: I always joke that I wish I could go on sabbatical and just continue just to study myself. Um. <laughs> But with uh, the world being upside down and crazy right now, you know, I think that posed a lot of interesting challenges for people within the horse industry, particularly educators, because, you know, I wasn't able to get on a plane and go teach large groups of people anymore. And I really felt uncomfortable teaching my functional anatomy courses via Zoom because it's such a personal Course for me to teach, and it's very important to me to be able to intimately engage with the students who are there to look into their eyes, to read their body language, to pick up on their gestures that would tell me whether they were understanding the information or not, or if they were bored to tears and how I might need to like spice it up a little bit. So, you know, watching social media and watching a lot of my contemporaries and my teachers and my colleagues, you know, all coming out with online courses, it really created somewhat of a panic within me because I didn't want to just do it that way. So I really stepped back. I took myself off of Facebook so I wouldn't have angst and, and, you know, gave myself a good talking to, you know, don't compare yourself to other people, you know, it's very important to me to be genuine, and it's, it's very important for me to be authentic and not to fall into the imposter that sometimes happens through social media. So I've spent this last year coming up with something new that I trademarked, which I call a docu-lecture because I'm very moved by documentaries, particularly the work of Ken Burns. And so I thought, well, is there a way for me to teach my courses that parlays a good amount of information, but is also aesthetically beautiful and also entertaining. And so uh, our goal is by this fall to be finished with our first docu-lecture series on functional anatomy, where it's educational, but it's also beautiful and entertaining and hopefully might even stir up some emotion. That's what we're working towards now, a way to continue to educate without it being static.
0: Okay, okay. And Gillian, we can find out a bit more about your goings-on on your website. What's the best website or the best way to contact you?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, My website is uh, com, And I also have a Facebook page as well. The Facebook page is JK Inspired.
0: JK Inspired is a great way if you're a little bit not quite sure about Jillian's spelling. But if you'd like to go to horsechats.com, search for Jillian, J-I-L-L-I-A-N, or even search for Crane Bring, K-R-E-I-N-B-R-I-N-G. I'd be searching for Jillian myself. Um, it'll come up. You know, the details will come up and then from there you would be able to get Gillian's contact details to contact her and find more about the work she's doing within Functional Anatomy and we'd love to have you back again to talk about some of these things in a lot more detail. You know, today was a great overview, but I'd like to ask you questions in a lot more detail in your particular area of expertise. So if you're happy to come back, I would love to have you come back.
1: Awesome. It would be an absolute honour.
0: Perfect. Gillian, thank you then for your time today. If um, people would like to contact you, I'm sure they will. And I look forward to catching up with you again very soon.
1: Uh sounds wonderful. Thank you so much.
0: If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organization 31352.